Welcome to Future of Journalism, a podcast from the Reuters Institute for the Study of Journalism. I'm Federica Cherubini, the Head of Leadership Development at the Institute. Earlier this month, we published our annual report about the trends that will shape journalism in 2022. Authored by Nick Newman, it is based on a survey of 246 news leaders from 52 countries and includes insights about revenue models, social media, and new technologies such as AI and the metaverse. Nick is joining us for this episode to help us navigate the report and unpack the issues shaping the future of the media industry worldwide, and most specifically, the year ahead. Nick, welcome, and thank you for being with us today. It's a pleasure, Federica. Good to be here. So you say in the report that 2022 will be a year of careful consolidation for the news industry. After a couple of years of relentless intensity of the news agenda, which honestly feels much longer, you say this could be the year of when journalism takes a breath, focuses on the basics, and comes back stronger. So if we start with the general outlook then, how do media leaders view the year ahead and the prospect of the industry and their companies? Well, it, I mean, it's hard to generalize because we have a wide range of publishers in our surveys, so there's legacy print and broadcasters and, and digital born and in a range of different countries and contexts. But, uh, you know, some are pretty confident, um, you know, confident about the business and confident about journalism. And then there's, you know, others who are, who are really struggling and who are not even sure they're going to make it through the year. So I think it's kind of a mixture of, of realism and trepidation, trepidation and, and also, you know, real focus, focus more because of COVID, more focused on digital uh, and more respectful of audiences, I think. And then just the other sort of theme to stress at the beginning is that people, I think, are... Uh, are also really worried about their own staff, about that relentless news cycle, um, uh, you know, working from home during COVID, uh, reporting on this, this very distressing story and also being part of it. And, and that's really that comment about, you know, taking a breath. I think people are really thinking about what, what their news organisations need to be on the other side of COVID, if you like. And, and I think this will be the year when, when they'll try and make that real. On the business side, many of the survey respondents report growing revenue, but falling audience numbers. Can you tell us more about the situation there? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a surprise, I think, that uh, certainly in our in our data, um, given that the narrative is that, you know, COVID has sort of crushed the news industry, that actually 60%, almost 60% said that their revenues had increased in the last year, only 8% said they'd gone down. And I think that obviously reflects the fact that more people have taken out digital subscriptions during COVID, um, uh, but also actually digital advertising has come back really, really strongly. Uh, it's been growing at the fastest rate ever. Um, and I think that's you know because uh, we spend more time online um, and we're spending more money online. So that's revenue side, which is positive. I think on the attention side, um, we do see you know traffic uh, to news sites falling in some countries in particular by, you know, very significant amounts, 20, 30% in, in, in the US and, and UK, for example, for some publishers. And, you know, some of this is to do with the news cycle, but I think underneath it, there's a much wider problem of, which is linked to trust. It's linked to, you know, news fatigue, uh, disenchantment with politics in, in general. Uh, so all of these things, I think, you know, the challenge is how do we re-engage people uh, and particularly those people who 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 sort of came in for COVID and have disappeared again. 
You mentioned um, several different revenue models. Which ones are considered the most important by media leaders in your survey? So, so obviously that that I mean, most people are focusing on a range of models, but they either lead with subscription or they lead with advertising. And um, you know, subscription is now at the top. So, seventy nine percent say that subscription will be important or very important to them this year. Um, and then different kinds of advertising events. You know, uh, interestingly, uh, contributions from platforms is becoming more important and has become more important so this is big platforms like Facebook and Google paying directly to license content so that's another sort of uh, uh, increasingly important um, part of the picture. Um, you mentioned paywalls and let's talk about the fact that half of the news leaders surveyed um, think that journalism is super serving rich and more educated audiences do you think this is a real problem as many quality papers are embracing increasingly harder paywalls or will it depend on the free option available um, in each country in each market? Right. I think there's no question that, you know, educated richer audiences have this enormous range of possibilities now. Um, so there is so much, you know, high quality content available in any language on any topic for people who are really interested and people who are willing to pay for content. Uh, there was a lively discussion earlier in the week. Um, ben Smith, formerly of the New York Times, Justin Smith, formerly of the Wall Street Journal, said they were launching a new news product aimed at uh, educated global audiences and um, you know <laughs> there was a whole load of people on Twitter who were talking about well that is the audience that really doesn't need any 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 more news um, but I think you know it, you, we can also overemphasize this I think in many parts of the world there is of course still a lot of high quality free content in much of Europe uh, you know strong public service broadcasters for example offering it free at the point of use and then there's many others that are following an ad path. You know, it's not just about subscription. So um, in research that we've done, we know that a lot of people who are not very interested in news don't really come across a paywall. So it's not so much of an issue for them. Um, I think a bigger problem is the one that I talked about earlier is sort of disconnection from news entirely or sort of light connections, if you like. Uh, and, you know, more and more people relying on unreliable um, uh, you know, sources in social media or through face-to-face -face networks. I, I think that's 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 a, a, a more significant problem right now. Mm -hmm. And and you also talk about um, creator economy in the report and the so-called battle for talent um, in 2022. What do you see happening there? Well, last year was really interesting. So you had uh, the so-called Substack phenomenon started even before that, where individual journalists left mainstream publications with um, the promise of delivering, you know, riches, untold riches from directly getting subscriptions and building up these, um, these subscription newsletters primarily. And some of them did indeed make lots of money. Uh, what we saw last year was some of them actually going back to news organizations because they realized that um, actually being part of something bigger was also important and maybe there wasn't as much money or it was a bit more taxing than they thought running their own business in this way. I think this year we're gonna see more, um, halfway houses if you like sort of more journalist collectives there's one called puck in the us that's just started and you know they're trying to get the best of sort of being entrepreneurial and getting some of the rewards but at the same time being part of something else uh with these lower infrastructure costs and i think that that's that's a really interesting phenomenon we're going to see a lot more of um and then i think the other aspect of it is uh the platforms themselves have released a lot of interesting new features like um just to take one example super follows in twitter so, you know, you could have your 
your normal feed and then you can provide bonus content and get rewarded for it. So that again is interesting for the talent economy is you know how are publishers going to react to that? Are they going to let uh, individual um, talent earn some money on the side of there? So so I, yeah that that battle for star talent between individuals or collectives or different companies uh, is, is one side of it but I think also how the rewards are going to work when they're more visible and evident is, is, is going to be a really interesting theme. Mm -hmm. And let's move to, to social media. Um, how are news leaders thinking about social media in the year ahead? Who in the industry is having an innovative approach that we should be paying attention to? Social media is a big, a big area, but I think um, one of the, I mean, the one of the standout um, data points from the slides is that publishers say they're going to be putting a lot more effort into uh, TikTok, into Instagram, and into YouTube, and they're going to focus a lot less on Facebook and on Twitter. And I think that kind of reflects um, the sort of innovation in format, which has come out of TikTok, which, you know, all the other social platforms are, are reacting to actually, and will react to this year. Um, in terms of formats, you're, you're seeing sort of Facebook really trying to uh, innovate reels both on Instagram and on Facebook now uh, in similar ways, trying to capture the same wave uh, of entertainment and increasing the information in, in, in some of these short videos as well, and YouTube shorts being another example of it. So I think, uh, you know, we're going to see a lot of publishers trying to get involved in that, obviously. Um, uh, just a couple of examples um, you asked about, you know, good, interesting practice. Uh, there's, there's a startup in Spain called Actuality, which works on TikTok and other platforms, doing these very sort of entertaining, uh, youth-focused um, news roundups. Um, and you also have um, slightly longer ones as well, explainer formats, how-tos work really well. As um, We have the BBC's Ros Atkins, who does a daily monologue of about 10 minutes, something like that, seven to 10 minutes on a big issue, which is kind of engaging. It's designed for social media, uh, but it's also, you know, impartial. Um, and the ones, for example, on, on sort of Boris Johnson's Christmas party has got something like 11 million views, um, which is a you know huge number, a huge amount of engagement. Uh, if you compare that with conventional television, so I think that's what we'll see this year is is you know some of those video formats that are fact and evidence based uh, competing with uh, obviously the, the the huge amount of partisan content that's out there on social media as well. I'm scared to ask: um, Is this a pivot to video too? Well, I think I did use the word uh, pivot to video too. You may remember pivot to to, to video one, um, and yeah, I I think that that uh, both the combination of short form um, video and the new efforts are going to that, but also actually long form is really interesting as well. Again, COVID has made more of us sort of watch these long form video on our computer screens or on our mobile phones, uh, and so there are publications trying to take advantage of that so cnn for example is launching a premium cnn plus uh, video long form channel this year you have um you have uh, a lot of media companies trying to use twitch for long form and of course in many of these environments you already have uh, personalities and influencers creating a lot of value um uh, already with long form and community it's that sort of combination of the network and long form video mm -hmm. You mentioned before when we were talking about the creator economy um, newsletters and, and the report highlights an increased focus on loyalty forming channels. 
podcast newsletters. Um, what will happen this year in this area? And, and do you think we are getting to a point where there is too much supply for the current demand? Yeah, it's a good point. I think I think the reason that publishers have been focusing on both podcasts and newsletters is because the data tells them that they build connection and they build loyalty. And so, you know, if you're trying to um, increase engagement, this is obviously critical. If you're trying to reduce churn as a subscription publisher, that's also critical. Um, and so many publishers are either sort of refreshing or trying to iterate and improve those, those products. But as you say, the problem is one of scale and attention. And so the more people piling in with great content, the more difficult it is to attract an audience. And I mean, in podcasts, I think, you know, the, the explosion of content is unbelievable. In Spotify, I think 3 million different podcast shows now. Um, and so you, how you stand out is is, is really interesting. And, and this is really where platforms and distribution is going to become much a much bigger story because you know those platforms are often the gateways to getting that attention um and that's where you know exclusive deals with spotify might help or or or, or with apple so I, i think the role of platforms and the tussle between content and platforms is going to be a big theme this year Another big theme um, and, and a key theme for the year ahead um, is generational change. Um, can you tell us more about what you mean by this generational change and how are publishers thinking about younger audiences? I mean, in, in conversations we've had with publishers, I would say this is the number one issue right now. And it, you know, it's important if you, you know, for example, if you're a if you're a public service broadcaster, you need to serve all audiences and younger audiences have been dropping away. And if you're a subscription publisher, I think, you know, 5% or less um, of your subscribers are under 30. So, you know, you've, you've got a real problem of the next generation. And I think the big question is, can you, how do you do that? Do you change your core product? Is it possible to change your core product or do you need to build a different one? And, you know, some publishers, you know, are essentially saying what we need to do is just change everything in our core product. So assume less knowledge, uh, create more visual formats that we know work with younger people, um, uh, maybe write more content for, for different life stages, you know, if you're getting a mortgage or getting married or, or, or whatever. Um, but other people feel you, you just need a completely different approach. You actually have to create bespoke content for specific platforms that is designed for a very specific uh, younger audience, of course, there's many different younger audiences. There's Gen Z, there's Gen Gen Y. Um, so you need to be quite deliberate about it, I think. And and um, publishers are really thinking about that. And some of them have some really strong strategies for this year, I think. An issue that plays and resonates particularly with, with younger audiences and is one of the most defining issues of our, of our generation is climate change. Um, what's the thinking um, from uh, media leaders in, in this area? What can we expect to see? But in the survey, we asked them how good they thought the coverage was, and about, only about a third said that the coverage was currently good. So there's clearly a, a, a bit of a gap. Um, in terms of reasons why they felt that climate change could be better, uh, they talked about, you know, it's just a really difficult subject because, you know, the slow nature of developments means it's just a poor fit with the news cycle on the one hand. Um, they also say that actually people often don't read the stories, perhaps because they're too depressing <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, make people feel powerless. Um, and partly as a result, there isn't the business case to hire those, you know, specialist journalists who can explain the science. Um, 
So I think, you know, this year we're seeing publishers are trying to address that skills gap, sometimes with foundation funding or, or, or other sources of funding. Uh, we're going to see more solutions-based coverage to try and get away from that, that, um, that sort of sense of negativity. Um, and also giving people a sense, more of a sense of what they can personally do. So I think more sort of service journalism around climate. And then um, I would like to see more, um, more data skills as well in newsrooms. I think this is one story that really could help, you know, something like the, the Rainforest Investigations Network has done an amazing job in documenting real-time data about what forests are burning where and then driving investigations on that and visualizations and i think there's a lot of scope to use some of the techniques we saw in covid to enhance and uh, make climate change more engaging and the final thing is i would point to you know cooperation i think we're we're seeing people realize this is such a big story you can't do it on your own so uh, ebu for example facilitating uh, exchanges of, of of information between different countries uh our own reuters institute um uh, taking part in the oxford climate journalism network for really trying to understand the issue better and coming up with solutions to these problems so i think climate's uh, a big focus for lots of reasons of course uh, we couldn't possibly close an interview about trends and prediction without talking about what comes next with technology and the web um, what can we expect in this area? Will I be interviewing you in the metaverse next year? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we, we could have done a, an interview in the metaverse this year if we put our heads, headsets on. Uh, and I think by, by this time next year, there'll be a lot more headsets and hopefully they'll be a bit more, a bit lighter and more usable. Um, uh, but yes, I, th I, th I think uh, more relevant to, to journalism immediately, I think, are the other probably the different applications of artificial intelligence um, different AI technologies um, and I think that you know they're they're, they're relevant to um, recommendations more relevant recommendations to engage people um, that's the number one uh, usage um, this year according to our survey but also um, uh, commercial uses as well and news from automation uh, so we're seeing in, in automation we're seeing a lot more productized tools uh, around transcription, around summarization, uh, around automation, automation and um, uh, text-to-speech as well. And I think why that's important is it enables uh, publishers to package up content in different ways that it can then it can then version more more easily. Um, and you know when we talk about personalization, I think that sort of format innovation and how you can package things is going to be a key part of the future. Um, and then finally, I think we're going to hear a lot more about the next iteration of the Internet this year, so-called Web3. Uh, so the first iteration of the Internet was about publishers making most of the content and making most of the money. Web2, users start to create and then platforms take a lot of that and, and, and become the sort of dominant power. And in Web3, uh, the potential of Web3 is sort of more decentralized approaches built on sort of blockchain technologies and uh, cryptocurrencies and uh, in theory that gives content creators and publishers potentially more control uh, over intellectual property over data over making money so that's kind of we're going to hear a lot of more about that whether it pans out is a completely different matter and whether it has any relevance to journalism is a different matter but we'll certainly hear a lot more hype about web3 as well this year lots to keep looking and looking forward um, for this year nick um, thank you so much for joining us today 
Our guest today was Nick Newman, author of the Journalism, Media and Technology Trends and Prediction 2022 report and lead author of the digital news report that comes out every June. Make sure to follow our podcast channel on Spotify or Apple Podcasts so you don't miss the next episode. And if you don't want to miss any news from the Institute, subscribe to our weekly newsletter by clicking the link on our Twitter bio or on our homepage. Thank you for listening to Future of Journalism. I'm Federica Cherubini. We'll be back soon.